And welcome back to another edition of Champs Corner, the Alabama podcast. I'm your host, Drew Champlin. We're going to talk about Alabama's big win over Louisville, talk a little bit about some prospects, and get to some of your listener questions. But first, let me introduce my co-host, the best in the business, Mark Jennings. Mark, how you doing? Drew, I am fantastic. College football's back. We're into week two of the high school football season. I hope you had a great holiday today on Labor Day, celebrating our our, our nation's labor. And so I hope you had a great weekend. I hope it was great as mine was. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I had a chance to go down to the beach and, and watch some football. Uh, actually, on the big screen on, on 30A. And uh, I know I know you went down to Troy, uh, or did you just send your workers down to Troy to test out the Dippin' Dots? No, I was there, Drew. I was there falling around and looking at the ports and seeing how traffic was going and uh, just being the overall supervisor of the situation. You know, I'm not going to be able to be there every week, so I wanted to go ahead and see what problems we were having week one so I could fix them all before we go live at Bryant-Denny on Saturday. That's great, and we'll get to that shortly. And uh, just to let everybody know, you can find the Champs Corner featuring Mark Jennings podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, CastBox, probably some more apps. Uh, please, you know, follow us, subscribe on one of there, give us a listen, tell your friends. That's the only way the uh, the good word gets out anymore th- these days anymore. So you can follow me on Twitter at Drew Champlin, C H A M P L I N. Follow Mark at Mark Jennings fifty five. And Mark, I know with that college game on Saturday. I believe you had a chance to go to a high school game last Friday night, right? Yeah, I did. I went to the the Hoover. Hoover had a game uh, against St. John's, uh, St. John's College High School in the Northeast. It's basically what IMG Academy is. Uh, basically, it's it's the IMG Academy in the Northeast. I really wanted to see Alabama running back commit Keelan Robinson. He's a little smaller. She's about five nine, one ninety. Doesn't look like your typical back that Alabama brings in. Uh, but he's a he's a great quality player, fantastic player. He didn't do very much, or he didn't, you know, it was, the game was a real blowout. St. John's won 42-14. He only ran seven times for 28 yards on Friday. The game the game was actually delayed. I don't know if you know that or not until Saturday morning uh, because of weather. And so I uh, I slept in the truck overnight. Uh, probably wasn't you know Hoover's not the safest area in the world, so. Uh, that was a little concerning. You know, I told my wife I got a hotel, but I was lying to her. And so I st- slept in the truck until the game started the next morning. So, uh, it, it, and, he, and it turns out Keelan Robinson didn't even dress out on Saturday. Um, I found out why after the game. I can't let that out in public. But uh, it was, I had a good time uh, watching high school Friday and Saturday night. Really some fantastic players. You know how, ho- how good Hoover's always is. And to see those players at, at St. John's just, just run over and run around them, run through them. It, it was really exciting to see, and I love being there, Drew. Yeah, I'm glad you were able to get out of there and go down to Troy and, and catch Troy losing to Boise State. I know you were more concerned about your Dippin' Dots business, and, and obviously Greg Byrne, the athletics director at the University of Alabama, tweeted that uh, you know Alabama and Dippin' Dots reached a, a nice little agreement to to sell Dippin' Dots at football games, and you're going to be a big part of that. So. Uh, you'll be at the game when Alabama plays Arkansas State at 2.30 p.m. on Saturday, right? No, Drew, I'm not going to be there. Okay, but your business will be there? Yeah, my business will be there. Um, you know, I was at Boise and Troy on Saturday. Wanted to make sure we got all the kinks out before we go live at Bryant-Denny 
uh, this Saturday. And, and, you know, we got some things that we want to work on, and we're going to go through another practice run during the week. Um, not actually selling anything, obviously, but in terms of uh, the infrastructure and our, our organizational or, or logistics, we want to make sure those are all good. So we're going to have basically a walkthrough uh, this week, and then they should be ready to go on Saturday without me. Okay. Obviously, I know a lot of your followers on Twitter and our listeners know that are really excited for you in the big dip and dots venture. Will you be giving any discounts to any listeners? Well, you know, actually, that's not a bad idea. I hadn't thought about it, but uh, here's what we'll do. Now that you bring it up, that's a pretty good idea. So if you go up and say, you know, you're a listener to the pod, to the podcast, uh, I'll, I'll, ta- I'll, I'll tell my workers to give you, uh, uh, let's, say, let's say, 20% off of your dipping Dots. I think that's fair. Yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine anybody turning that down. I think that's yeah, a I think that's fair. Exponential. You know, I, I, I'll probably now that I say that I'll probably lose money the first round because the margins are so tight anyway. But you know, it's only fair to the people who listen to the podcast every week. You just go up to the Dippin' Dots at Bryant Denny Saturday and say you're a listening podcast. You know, maybe give them a wink. Uh, I'll give. I'll tell them. I'll instruct everybody, my all my workers, to give you twenty percent off. That's that's awfully nice of you. You know, you're quite yeah. the savant businessman there, yeah. Mark. That's only for one though. Like you can't go up there and buy twenty things, twenty cups of dipping dots, and get twenty percent off all of them. I you know I have so, a family to feed, Drew. I have my baby Marcus. I I can't just give away the product for free. I completely understand there. I don't have any plans on going to the games on Saturday. It's going to be a hot one, 2.30 p.m. I'll probably just watch it on ESPN2. Do you have some film to break down? Yeah, I'm a little behind on my high school film. I need to, I need to focus on that, and, and especially with more, another week of games Friday. I need to catch up on bringing down my high school film. I didn't get as much done this weekend. Uh, open day college football, doing some some favors for other people, and, and looking at the college game sale. Those teams look week one, so I got some high school film need to catch up on. I'm planning on catching up on that this weekend. All right, and that's Alabama hosting Arkansas State. Arkansas State beat Southeast Missouri 48-21. Quarterback Justice Hansen goes 26 to 36, 423 yards, six touchdowns, and a pick. Arkansas State is perennially one of the top teams in the Sun Belt. I think they've been going to bowl games for the last six or seven years in a row under Coach uh, Blake Anderson, who you know succeeded Hugh Freeze, Gus Malzahn, Brian Harson, maybe somebody else here and there. They've had a lot of coaches, but a uh, really good Sun Belt program here. I don't really think they should give Alabama too many problems, but you never know. You know, Penn, at Penn State got a scare from Appalachian State out of the Sun Belt, but going back to Alabama, fifty-one, Louisville, fourteen. Just like you broke the news on this podcast last week, Tua Tungabailoa got the start. Um, you know, he played the first four series. Jalen Hurts come in, comes in the fifth series. We'll talk about the performances in, in just a bit. But, you know, obviously you and, and your uh, old friend, I guess no longer Danny Sheridan, you, you had your argument on Twitter a little bit when he tried to disown you because you guys had differences of opinions of the quarterbacks. According to an AL.com story, Danny Sheridan and Lars Anderson, a one-time Sports Illustrated writer, were the only ones who actually said Jalen's going to start. But it turns out, Mark, you were right. Danny was wrong. Has he? Have you heard from him? I have I have not heard back uh, from Danny Sheridan, which is unsurprising. Well, I'll say that I haven't checked my answering machine since I got home. But I, I would be uh, – I don't expect to hear from Danny Sheridan. Uh, I, you know, we went through this last week. I don't want to go through it again. 
But I, I, I'll just say I don't expect to hear from him. He's going to keep going, making these, you know, asinine predictions and and trying to bring everyone else down when he's wrong. For for the time being, <coughs> excuse me, Drew, I'm sorry. For the time being, I'm just going to let that go. All right. And my, my thought was that Tua would play every meaningful snap, and that didn't happen. You know, uh, he played the first four possessions, I believe it was, Alabama scored three touchdowns on those four, first four possessions, and then the fourth one was stopped when Devontae Smith fumbled it pretty deep into into a Louisville territory. Then they bring in Jalen Hurts, and then just a couple drives just don't do much of anything. Tua comes back in last drive, you know, under a minute to go before the half. He throws a touchdown to Jerry Judy after the game. You know, uh, uh, ESPN reporter, ABC reporter Maria Taylor asked. Nick Saban, if if about the quarterbacks, and he didn't take too kind to that. He, I think, I think the stop asking, stop asking me was his last words. Apologized to her for that, but Monday in the press conference says, I think everybody knows that two is going to start this game. So here he is, basically announcing two as a starter, and we're going to use Jalen's skill set in the future to help however we feel that can benefit the team. So, Mark, I, I guess you saw Coach Saban's. Response to to Maria Taylor, everybody did. So if everybody else is talking about it, maybe we should a, a little bit too. What what were your reactions after the game? Uh, about the interview or about the 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 the, con- the football contest? Uh, about the interview. We'll get to the football contest in just a bit. I you know I, I thought I think you know I I think she's trying to do her job. Um, you know. Coach Saban's. I wish he would handle it better for the stuff that he does on the field and off the field. But you know, he's not a. I think as we've learned, he's not a public relations professional, um, and he doesn't handle that very well. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't think he's challenged enough for some of the things he does. I do wish you know the liberal media would 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 challenge him more, maybe get a respected journalist like Dan Walken or, or Barrett Sally to maybe challenge him more uh, on some of the things that he does. But I, I just, it's it's I can't really take a side on it, to be honest with you. You know, I'm not gonna be Danny Sheridan and claim to be an expert in these things that I really don't know about. You know, I don't I don't know how to handle interviews very well as a head coach. So I can't really comment on that. Um, I wish I could though. But I, I do wish that that people would ask him a little tougher questions every once in a while. Yeah, that, uh, that's a good call there. All right, so back to the football contest. Tua Tungavailoa, 12 of 16, 227 yards. He threw two touchdown passes, 11 yards and 25 yards to Jerry Judy in the first half. He also had a nine-yard touchdown run, long pass of 49 yards to Jalen Waddle, the true freshman. We'll talk about him later in the podcast and uh, Jalen Hurts comes in on the fifth drive. He was five of nine for 70 yards, three carries for nine yards. Uh, I think he led a touchdown drive in the second half, if I'm not mistaken. And kind of going into to his performance, and we'll get to some more listener questions, but I, I thought this one was really good from Paul T. Graham on Twitter. And he says, Mark, I know you don't watch the actual game since you were usually busy breaking down film, but... What did you think of Tua's performance in the Louisville game in the run-pass option package? And is he better than Jalen in this phase of the game? And it looked like that's what uh, that's what he did on that first touchdown when he threw it to the right corner for, for uh, to Judy, which uh, put Alabama up seven to nothing, and just just looted some pressure. It looked like a little Johnny Menzel out there throwing a touchdown pass there. Uh, what was your um, when you break down that play, Mark, as a film connoisseur? What was your thoughts that, on you that? You mean play? that specific play? 
Yes. Yeah, then, you know, you look at the 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 way the play progressed. It looks like an RPO where the running backs uh, coming around to the left, and and then Tua holds it out there, and then has the choice to give it to him or throw it. But you look at the offensive line on that play. The 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 offensive line isn't firing out. They look like they're all pass blocking. You know, usually when you see an RPO, you have offensive linemen who are taking full credit or taking, you know, using all that three yards, they can go downfield. And so you didn't see that in that play. They were all pass playing. So it was, it was I would like to know what call it was, and I'll, I'll ask around this week to find out. It was a real interesting play. Um, if it was an RPO, it was really a terrible decision to pass the ball, to be honest with you, because running statistically and playing the percentages, paying the ball off there the way the defense was set up was, was a much better option. But it worked out for Alabama. I'm sure when the coaches get in the game get in, and get with two and look at the film, they're going to tell them not to do that anymore, tell them to hand the ball off to an RPO. You know, if it was a pure pass play, I wonder why they call a pass there. That's an odd place. Or odd, you know, situation in the game and the field position and the down distance to throw the ball there. But it all worked out. So uh, it's not something I would do uh, over and over again in that spot. I think there are better plays you could run. But it worked out from that time, and, and that's the way football is. You know, sometimes the, you make the, the play that's not as – uh, you know, maybe not the best play, quote unquote, but it works out for you. And sometimes you you make the play that's correct, and and somebody fumbles, and and they go the other way, and it doesn't work out for you. So that's just football sometimes. Yeah, and then you remember the the touchdown pass from Tua to Jerry Judy down the left sideline. Uh, that was their second touchdown connection of the first half. What worked on that play, and was that Tua's most impressive throw, or did another throw catch your attention? No, I thought that was the most. Uh, imp- you know, well, one of the most. Actually, there's another that was a little more impressive. But you know, the, you told him to play at the end of the first half, correct? Yes, the 25 yard touchdown pass. Yeah, yeah, it's a play. He had single coverage on Judy, who was on the slot on that play. The ball's out of the hands of Judy's on the 16, the DB's on the 14. So you know, Tua is Tua's ability to read uh, what's going to happen in the future. Talk about like throwing guys or throwing the ball, throwing, throwing to guys to get them open. That's an NFL throw right there. You look at the DB in his position. DB had position, good position at that point in time, but Tua knew what route Judy was running and knew he was going to be open in the back of the end zone. Uh, that was really impressive as a man-free coverage, and, and Judy just beat his man to great throw. That's a throw that, you know, Jalen Hurts, talented in a lot of areas, but that's not a throw he's ever going to make. He's going to throw a touchdown pass. The guy's going to be wide open. And it's going to be, you know, he, he, Jalen isn't throwing anybody open. Let me put it that way. And Tua is. I thought that was really special. I thought his most impressive throw, uh, he had a wheel route to Irv Smith Jr. Remember this play? It was an excellent catch by Irv Smith. Yeah, that was a two-deep look off. It was on the wheel route to Irv Smith. He looked the split safety inside, used his eyes to move the uh, safety in the middle. There was a Z skinny post to the middle the safety had to cover. Uh, Safety... Our safety moved over to cover it. The nerve Smith was wide open on the sideline. I thought that was the most impressive throw uh, of the game from from Tua, to be honest with you. So uh, I thought that he was fantastic performance by him. I thought he looked great. I thought he uh, he was everything that he's been made out to be. To be real honest with you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm looking forward to seeing him play these, these next couple of years. So on to Jalen Hurts. You know, here's a guy who Alabama started the last two years. And basically now Saban is just saying they can use his talents when needed. So that, you know, if Tua didn't play every meaningful snap this first game, I think he's going to from here on out as long as he's healthy. So what uh, – I, I don't think there's an or designation anymore, especially now with Saban saying Tua is the starter. 
Where do you think it goes from here for Jalen Hurts, who's a junior this year? He can graduate, play four games or less, and still and still get a red shirt if he wants to. But uh, you know, Coach Saban says that they don't think like that as far as that actual red shirt go. He's going to be ready to play, but uh, do, do you think we'll see much of him this year? Yeah, we've got a little moral hazard situation here. You know, if Jalen goes to Saban and says after game four and says redshirt me, you know, that sets a precedent that you just go to the coach and says play me or sit me or start me or sit me. If you don't start me, uh, sit me after four games and I can go somewhere else where I can play. That's not a good precedent to have. So it's a really tough spot for the coaching staff and for Jalen Hurts. You know, I, I think maybe the best situation for everybody at this point uh, Jalen, if he wants to play, would be – I know he graduates in December, would be to stick it out and, and get that red shirt. But that's not, I'm sure, something that Coach Saban can do. To be real honest with you, um, you know, with the offense that Alabama runs these days where there's some run-pass option, but it's still mostly a passing offense, you know. I think the, you look at this offense, there's more day bowl in it than Kiffin, you know. And, uh-huh. and so it's, it's more of a passer's offense. And I'm not totally sure that – that Mac Jones isn't better suited for that. I'm not saying Mac Jones is a better quarterback than Jalen Hurts. I'm saying for the offense that Alabama runs right now, I'm not sure Mac Jones isn't better for that spot. And so Jalen comes in, maybe you have a package for him or something, but you know, you're not going to change the whole offense around to, to, to suit Jalen Hurts. You just can't do that in a week of practice. You know, if Tua goes down, you got can't change the entire playbook in a week. So I'm not totally sure that Matt Jones isn't the better option at this point. But, again, I don't know what Coach Saban's thinking with that. I know it's not a good spot for him because, you know, you you, you play Jalen in mop-up duty for the rest of the year. He doesn't get that red shirt. He's only got one year of eligibility left if he transfers. So that's not a good situation either. So I'm not sure how it's going to play out. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. I wish they could come to an agreement for what's best for Jalen. If, if, he, if he doesn't want to stay at Alabama – it's best for him to go ahead and maybe maybe quit on his own, to be honest with you, because he could do that and still keep that red shirt and leave the team and graduate in December and then go wherever. That might be best for him. Uh, this is not me saying he should quit the team. You know, there's a negative connotation there of quitting the team, quote-unquote. We saw what happened with uh, Blake Barnett a couple of years ago when that happened. Uh, I've been thinking it's a tough situation for all involved. It's going to be have to handle very delicately. And I'm interested to see how it plays out over the next few weeks, especially with this playing time. Yeah, maybe he could, you know, have a have a fake injury or something that keeps him sidelined. But I think That's he's not a be ready. bad idea, Drew. Yeah, I mean, it could it could happen. I think they'll have him ready to play. I think he wants to play and compete. And if Alabama wins a championship, he wants to play a part of it. But uh, if he does play more than four games. Then he will he will only have one year of eligibility following this year. And I, but I think you know if if Tua if something happens to him, you know, and they, and they need Jalen Hurts, then he's going to play some this year. I, I don't think he's just going to up and quit the team or anything like that. So, anyways, uh, it's going to be interesting to see if if he plays any this uh, in this game. So, um, but one uh, a couple more players that really impressed me: Josh Jacobs, the junior running back, obviously. Uh, 18-yard touchdown run, a 77-yard kickoff return, rushed six times for 45 yards. Damian Harris led the team seven for 55 yards, and they basically just ran every running back on the roster a few times. I think even the freshman Jerome Ford got a few carries. Najee Harris scored a touchdown. Brian Robinson got some carries. Ronnie Clark, the the fifth-year senior, has overcome two Achilles injuries, got some carries. So I don't think this is going to be a situation where somebody rushes for 1,000 yards this year. They're just going to keep all these guys fresh and – 
you know, I, I went on my Twitter on Saturday night and said, man, Josh Jacobs just seems like a guy who could be a number one fantasy running back in the NFL a few years down the line. I really like the guy, what he showed. And, uh, and I'm wondering, Mark, this is me asking you, do you, do you feel the same way? What's your thoughts about Josh Jacobs? I think he's the most, uh, the way the NFL's operate right now, I think he's the most uh, prototype NFL running back album has had since Mark Ingram, to be honest with you. Uh, as shifty as he is, the type of lateral quickness, you know. Lots of these Saban running backs, Saban likes these guys who are just big and can run you over. Uh, Josh Jacobs c- can do that, but it's not his forte. Uh, he likes to elude guys. He saw, I believe, it, all his, it was his touchdown run, correct? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, touchdown run where he broke it outside. You know, most Alabama running backs are going to just pound that up the middle and try to run over you. Uh, Josh Jacobs saw the hole and showed great vision and, and busted outside and had the touchdown run. So I think uh, in terms of NFL running backs, I think he's, you know, going to have more success or as, as much of success as Mark Ingram in the NFL. Yeah, maybe even Kenyon Drake as well. They're, they're, I think they're kind of similar. And Josh Jacobs is so good catching the ball out of the backfield and obviously showing so much versatility with it with his kickoff return. So really looking forward to seeing how he develops. You know, he was hurt a lot last year. Uh, really an unknown recruit out of Oklahoma his freshman year. And, and I know you knew about him, but not many other people did. So it's really good to see him progressing this year, and he's going to play a big part. Uh, defensive, defensively, a couple of guys to talk about at least. Uh, Quinnen Williams at nose guard. I think he started nose. Definitely on the interior defensive line. Uh, six tackles, 3.5 for loss for the redshirt sophomore out of Winona High School, even a pass breakup. And we were scared for a second that he had a major knee injury after Christian Miller's 15-yard penalty extended a drive uh, in the second half. What were your thoughts about Quinnen Williams? And I, I know you're not an athletic trainer or anything like that, but what uh, what did you see? Well, on the injury? Uh, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, you know, one of my sources uh, is an athletic trainer in northeast Alabama, and, he, you know, he texted me. I didn't text him, but he texted me as soon as the uh, the as soon as soon the the injury happened and said, you know, the way they're doing the test, it didn't look like, it didn't look like an ACL. Um, that was my first concern. I'm not a doctor by any means, but, you know, my, my sources are legit and they're solid, and, and he knew – uh, so I was I was good with it. So I knew he was going to be fine. Yeah, and about his game itself, what were your thoughts? Oh yeah, I'm sorry. You know, uh, how he not be impressed? Six tackles, three and a half uh, for loss. Uh, had a pass breakup. You know, just really disrupted that entire Louisville offensive line. Uh, can he do that for the rest of the season against you know Louisville's a power five team, but you know, the, every team in the SC West is going to have a better offensive line than Louisville does. So can you do that? That's what I'm interested in seeing as the year progresses. Yeah, Deontay Thompson, the redshirt junior safety, I believe it was his first start in a regular season game. I know he got a couple last year after Hootie Jones got hurt. I thought he was better than Hootie Jones. Interception, three pass breakups, five tackles, and man, this guy, this is a guy who – Looks like he's going to be an All-American this year if he keeps playing like that. I thought, to me, he was the most impressive guy, if not on the defense. Uh, well, obviously, Tua was my star player of the game, but you know, Deontay Thompson looks like my defensive MVP. Yeah, I mean, we always talk about Tua and Jalen last year, and I want to know why Tula was on the bench sitting behind Jalen. My major question is why, why was uh, Deontay Thompson playing behind Hootie Jones all year? Um, you know, I always thought who Deontay Thompson was a better player. You can just look at their, their high school film and see how much range Deontay Thompson would cover 
and, 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 you know, he's a better player. So I always thought that was very interesting. Look, he's out there now. He's arguably the best player on that defense. So, um, you know, I had, I had, I don't remember specifically who it was that I compared Deontay Thompson to a few years ago, but it was, uh, yeah, oh, it was Ed Reed. I'm sorry. I remember it was Ed Reed. I can't remember Ed Reed. I did that for a reason. So, uh, I'm, I'm not surprised at all by his success. I'm just, it's curious. I'm curious as to why it took so long for him to get on the field when he's clearly a guy who's going to make an All American team this year. Yeah. Jalen Waddle, the true freshman man, he just looked phenomenal. And it was really, uh, he did have the catch. Um, I believe it was a 42 yard reception, but he was Alabama's punt returner. Four uh, returns for 80 on punt return, along of 31 that set up the touchdown, which uh, the one at the end of the half, if I believe. Uh, what was what were your thoughts of, of Jalen Waddle's performance? I mean, he looked like you know people have written about him comparing him to David Palmer out there. I I would agree. I'm sure he's bigger than David Palmer was, but you know he was a guy that in my childhood, you know, he was just incredible to me. But man, Jalen Waddle had the punt return for a touchdown. It was called back back because of a. Uh, a Josh McMillan block in the back, but that would have been shown in every, every sports center highlight, if not for that penalty. Yeah. Right. I mean, impressive player. And you said it, he's a lot like David Palmer, but he's bigger. You know, I remember watching in person at a, uh, Episcopal high in Bel Air, Texas, right outside of Houston. Uh, just as impressive. And you could tell just in every touch the ball, he just electric. So, uh, I, I can't say I'm surprised by the performance. I can't say that I'm surprised he's going to have such a huge impact his freshman year. He's going to take snaps away from somebody this year on that receiving core. Maybe rugs. I'm not totally sure, but he's, he's going to get, they're going to find a way to get him the ball in space. Uh, those offensive coaches know what they're doing. They're going to use him as a, as a, as a weapon this year. You know, I compared him, I think to a guy out of Oklahoma city, Oklahoma out of Harrods high school, uh, didn't get any, any offers from any Oklahoma schools that went on to Texas tech and had a fantastic career and set the punt return NCAA all time punt return yards record. And I'm talking about Wes Welker. So when I look at, uh, Jalen Waddle play, I, I think he reminds me of Wes Welker and he's going to have a very similar NFL career to Wes Welker in terms of his production on the field. You, the Wes Welker that was Tom Brady's primary receiver for a number of years. That, that, guy. that Wes Welker now, I believe he's actually moved into coaching in the NFL. He's a special assistant somewhere. I don't remember which team it is, but uh, he's helping them out after his, his playing career is over. I think his playing career is over. So, uh, but yeah, I think Jalen Waddle going to have uh, the same type, maybe a better career than Wes Welker did. Yeah, uh, I, I, it's, a, it's, it's an interesting comparison there. Um Couple of a couple of notes from the game: the return of the uh, non-offensive touchdown, the not. Shaheem Carter had an interception return for a touchdown, and then Josh Jacobs had the kickoff return for a touchdown. But it wasn't all rosy for Alabama. They, you know, double-digit penalties, triple-digit penalty yards. Nick Saban was really pissed off about those. Uh, excuse me, excuse my language there, but he was not very happy as well. That's just what he said. Uh, what concerns did you have, Mark, when you were when you were looking at the game? Uh, well, my concerns are all, the, you know, it's game one and you run real complex defense. There are going to be some some issues there. And I thought there were some communication issues, uh, especially when you're going against the Bobby Petrino offense that's going to try to isolate and try to confuse the defense. Uh, there were running backs left open in the flat a few too many times. Uh, new starters in the secondary had some confusion. Uh, Trayvon Diggs played the star position, which he hadn't really done before. Um you know, they want someone other than Shaheem Carter to do that so Carter can play dime, uh, dime safety, and they can get Patrick Sertain the second on the field. So I'm interested to see where that plays out if, if Trayvon Diggs continue to play the star position. 
Um, but other than that, on the defensive side of the ball, I mean, how can you not be impressed? You had a Bobby Petrino team that, that you know, in the first half uh, didn't really be able to move the ball. They had a couple of long yardage plays, but they were never, uh, they were never a threat to drive the ball down the field and score. And so you have to be really impressed with that in week one out of your defense. Yeah, we'll see what happens going into game two. What kind of defensive adjustments Alabama makes because they're going to be throwing, a, they're going to be facing a team that likes to pass it all over the field. Let me make a couple bold predictions for Saturday, and I want to try to do this for all the games this year. Maybe you can as well. I've got a Patrick Sertain pick six, and I've got Mac Jones throwing his first career touchdown pass. So, Mark, do you have any you want to make football wise or otherwise? Bold predictions. Yeah, for the Alabama markets all same. Well, game. first things and most importantly, I'm expecting my my dipping dots profits to exceed uh, sixty thousand dollars this Saturday. That's my first prediction. I think we have a really well oiled machine at this point, and it's going to be people are going to be really pleased and thrilled when they go and are able to get some dipping dots at the stadium on Saturday. Uh, second bold prediction: uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot more gelling in the offensive line. Uh, and I think that's going to be uh, the the most position improvement from week one to week two for Alabama is going to be the offensive line. Yeah, that's good. We have an offensive line question we're going to get to in, in just a second. But uh, first off, Mark, just tell everybody how they can find you on Twitter and email. For, uh, Drew, you know I love getting emails and tweets from everybody. If you want to tweet at me, my Twitter handle is at MarkJennings55. That's one word, at MarkJennings55. Or you can email me. My email address is markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. That's one word, markbreaksdownfilm at AOL.com. You can find me there. You can find me on Twitter. You guys ask great questions every week, and I'm looking to see what great questions we have in store tonight. Yeah, we hear from Alan Friday on Twitter who messages Mark Jennings 55 I need some input on my pal Carlos' brother who plays for Hoover. He sends us a copy of a subscription sports link, and he's talking about Nick Curtis, the senior linebacker, a guy who I like a lot, and I noticed him in his spring spring game against Park Crossing heading into his junior year. But, Mark, what are you hearing about Nick Curtis these days? Yeah, you're, you're developing a pretty good odds. I think he is a pretty underrated prospect. You know, I think when I look at him, he reminds me a lot of Jeremiah Moon, Hoover linebacker who signed with Florida a couple of years ago. They have a very similar build. Currently, I think Nick Curtis may be a, a, currently a group of five prospect, maybe a Conference USA level. Uh, it could have a big season, turn into a low-level SEC offer. Uh, if he really wants to, to take a risk and go to JUCO for two years and then turn into one of the job, top JUCO prospects himself and set him up for an even bigger school in a couple of years. But I, I, think, uh, I think Nick Curtis is a good player, and, and I'm looking forward to seeing how he – progresses over his senior season and see what kind of offers he rolls up uh, by the time uh, signing day comes around. Yeah, we hear from MillerAllen93 on Twitter. Can you give your thoughts on Alabama's offensive line moving forward, specifically Alex Leatherwood at right guard? Love the show. Uh, Take it over, Mark. Well, yeah, I mentioned this. There are some protection issues. Uh, There are early some miscommunication issues in Leatherwood. You know, I think he's going to be fine at guard. You know, there's a growing position uh, when you change this on the offensive line. You're just doing different things. So I think they'll be fine, uh, and I mentioned that as they go along. I think this is the most talented offensive line Coach Saban's ever had. Um, and by the end of the season, I think they'll be the best offensive line he's ever had. Uh, it's just going to take some time to gel and, 
and get to know everybody's strengths and weaknesses and, and where they need to cover, and, and they'll have that all worked out by the end of the year, probably before that, to be honest with you. Yeah, you had uh, Jonah, Jonah Williams at left tackle, uh, Lester Cotton Sr. at left guard, and then Ross Pierce Baker is playing center for the first time of his career. He's been a guard, the starting guard the last three years, and then Leatherwood, then Jedrick Wills, the sophomore at right tackle. A lot of talent on that. You know, Matt Womack was the returning starter, but he's injured out several weeks with a foot injury. He missed all spring as well. So that enabled Leatherwood and Wills to really establish their spots on the line. And, you know, hopefully Womack will get back in there. I like Deontay Brown as well. But we hear from Thomas Jones at Big Cool 9999. And we heard from Thomas last week as well. He asked, what's your opinion on high school players transferring to a different high school when their current coach is running them in the ground, playing them both ways without rest, without rest, asking for a friend, hint, hint. Well, <laughs> this is a tough question. I'm going to be real honest with you. It's, it's uh, you know, I don't like to, high school football coaches have a tough job, uh, especially at smaller schools where you don't, can't develop the depth. You know, even at smaller schools, you don't win enough, you get fired. So if you have a great player, you you, you got to play him both ways for your own job security. I'm not in the business of telling high school football players what what to do with their careers. I don't want and I don't I don't want that position. You know, I know a lot of coaches and I know I have relationships with a lot of players, and I don't want to you know get bad to a coach that I told a player what to do. I just think it's 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 not my really position there. I'm just going to break down film is what I'm going to do, um, and I'm just going to stay out of it. So I don't want to really lead anybody astray or give them bad advice because that's not really my area of expertise. Uh, I think it's 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 a tough situation because the player, of course, wants to rest and get ready to go to college, and the coach, you know, the coach wants to keep his job. So I'm just going to stay out of it and, 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 and let somebody else handle that. Good call, Mark. Our uh, last question saving the best for last perhaps uh alabama pro updates at bama pro updates as mark jennings 55 mark what's your setup for breaking down films Do teams drop box you game film or do they still send dvds do any teams send you film tape on t- or inch film on tape reels do you have a special room <laughs> excuse me i'm coughing again i apologize no i have a, i have a i have an office i have an office in my house you know those, remember when you were in school, Drew, they had those little projectors that you pulled down? And, and yeah. like, yeah, I got one of those in there, and I got me uh, the projector and then the screen, and I got my huddle hooked up to it. Most of the game film comes on huddle. Uh, I, so a couple of smaller schools still send me DVDs or VHS tapes, so I have that set up going as well. What I like to do is I like to get it up on that big screen, so I can look at all 11 players and see what they're doing. And that that's my current setup. Um, you know, it's worked for me for all these years, and I don't want to change at this point. It doesn't, doesn't make sense to me to upgrade to some fancy-smancy deal. Um, just, I'm not going to spend money just to spend it. I've got a business to invest in and grow, and, and that's my current setup and works well for me. Good deal. I've always wondered that as well, Mark. That's a great, uh, great answer there. And, uh, with that, we'll wrap up this week's edition of the Champs Corner podcast, and next week we'll have a chance to to talk about. Oh, we we'll got one more question. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, from John Hancock, I hate to miss this one. Uh, JSH Roll Tide, in your esteemed professional opinion, which quarterback will start the national championship this year? Well, 
you know, I, I guess he's asking me what teams are going to make it. Is that, is that? I guess that's what he's asking me. Uh, uh mm, I don't really see anything about. Maybe he's talking about Alabama's quarterback if they make it that far. But if you want to, you can answer it however you wish. Well, I sure. tell you, I think clearly two is going to start the rest of the year uh, unless he gets hurt. Um, I'm not. You know, I'm not in the prognostication business. You know, I have other people that I know who were once dear friends of mine uh, and, and I've been disowned by since, they're in the quote-unquote prognostication business. I wouldn't call them experts. I think that's pretty obvious at this point. Uh, but I'm going to leave the prognostication to them. You know, you look at the top teams in the country, most of them have their quarterback situation set up. I'm interested to see what happens at Clemson. With, with Kelly Bryant and Trevor Lawrence. I think Trevor Lawrence is, is, is better at this point. But Coach Sweeney's in the same situation this year as Coach Saban was last year. Do you bench a guy that's won that many games for you? And that's a little tougher call. Uh, I honestly think if Clemson wants to win the national championship this year, it has to be a Trevor Lawrence. I don't think uh, Ke- Kelly Bryant has the arm and the instincts to beat uh, these NFL-level defense, not NFL-level, but these NFL schemes. That that these top college programs are putting out there, and that's something. And I think that's the going forward. Now that we kind of settled two in Jalen, that's the quarterback uh, controversy. That I'm looking and looking forward to see how it plays out. And there you have it. That's that's a good way to, to wrap up this edition of the Champs Corner Podcast. Thank you so much to everybody who's sending in questions. We look forward to getting more. Had a lot about Mark's relationship with Danny Sheridan, but that was a given as far as where he was going to talk about that. So hopefully next week we'll actually get some more football-related questions. But, uh, Mark, I really appreciate you once again coming on and and joining me this week. As always, Drew, it was a pleasure. I hope we get to do it again next week. I can't give you you the rundown of how it went Saturday at Bryant-Denny with the Dippin' Dots. I look forward to hearing a uh, a recap of that. Good luck, and uh, thank you to everybody for listening.